Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. The year was 1942. I don't remember that year, specifically me, you know. But it was 1942 and the world was at war again. Now, many can still actually remember the Great War that just took place 24 years prior to that. But this war was different. That the battle, traditionally fought on the European front, had left Europe and gone over to the island of Great Britain, who was taking close to 400 bombings a day on that island. Now, young boys, husbands, and fathers were being drafted to serve both their country and their king. And families, for the safety of their children, were sending their kids by the thousands on trains and buses to relatives in the deep countryside of Britain to keep them safe from the dangers of the city. The war wasn't looking good. It was not a very positive outcome at this point in time. The German forces were actually taking more and more ground, and they were getting closer and closer to Buckingham Palace. And so a British soldier, now fighting in his second world war in his lifetime, felt the call to patriotism and took up the responsibilities as an air raid warden in the Royal Air Force. Now, it didn't take long for his CO to see that this soldier had a gift of speaking and inspiring the troops before going into battle. He would often gather them together and he would give them a talk to get them ready He would usually speak on the reality of suffering and pain, evil, and of course, death. And knowing that most of the men that he would speak to were not going to come back, he would tell them that it is Jesus who frees the captive. And then he would pray with them and sit on the battle. His talks became such an encouragement to the men that he was actually asked by his country to broadcast them for all to hear, not just the soldiers going into battle, but for the families in fear waiting back at home. Could you broadcast this for our nation to hear? And so he agreed he would do that. And for the next two years, this soldier named C.S. Lewis took to the airwaves 
and told an entire country about the love of Christ. Even when the world is at war, especially when the world is at war. Now, after the war had completed, these broadcasts were collected, pieced together, so that future generations can rehear the words of Lewis. And they published them under the name Mere Christianity. Perhaps this is what Jesus meant when he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end. Father, we just pray right now as we open your word and we dive in and, and see what it is that you're speaking to us, God, I pray in this moment that it be your word spoken, your truth revealed, that God, it, be, it will be your understanding that we take away. God, nothing clever or anything that I've written on paper, but God, I just want your word, your scripture to jump off and come to life so that way we know without a doubt, that the Spirit is leading us. Father, I pray right now that if there's anything I say, anything I do or, 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 or lean toward that is not true, it is not Scripture, then stop me now, Lord, and let your word be spoken. So, Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're just joining us for this series, we started last week. Uh, we we kind of really went through last week Jesus giving the great commission to his disciples. That We dived into that scene at the end of Matthew specifically of him giving the commission. And we dived into the question, he is risen, now what? What do we do with that information? And after last week we concluded, we go. That's what we do. We go. Now, Jesus told the disciples that the resurrection wasn't the end of the story, but it was the beginning for what God has planned for this world, and that you and I play an active part in the ministry of the kingdom of God. It just wasn't Jesus saying, follow me, I will take care of everything, but instead it's you are a part of the mission and the ministry of the kingdom of God. You are it. And so now that brings us to the book of Acts. Today, my, one of my favorite books in the Bible, honestly. And the book of Acts is a historical account of God showing us, you and me, his plan. What the plan was all along. God had always had something in store for you and I. He always had something in mind for us as believers in Christ, even after Jesus is gone. The story of Jesus wasn't just for those who experienced it in person for that one generation. 
but it was a salvation for an entire world for generations to come. But what do we do with that information? Well, we have the book of Acts that shows us that. And in fact, when we open the book of Acts and we read through the very first paragraph or so, it does the formalities, you know, what you, how you would normally start writing a letter. But then right when you get to the first meats of the story of the first chapter, it's interesting because the book of Acts actually starts with a flashback. It's actually going backwards. It's covering something that we've already covered before. Who would start a story with a flashback? Besides me, because that's exactly what I did today. was starting it with a flashback. So I digress there. But what do you do with a story with a flashback? We have no context, right? So what is this flashback for? Where did it go? Where did it take us to? Well, it's a flashback to the end of the book of Luke. So it's taking us a step backwards. This is because Luke wrote both books. He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And his first book is an account on the life of Jesus. The book of Luke is about Jesus and his story, his life, his salvation, his resurrection is the book of Luke, where Acts is an account on God's plan after Jesus' time. And the flashback that we see in chapter 1 is of Jesus ascending into heaven. We actually see this at the end of Luke. We see that exact same scene at the end of Luke, Jesus ascending into heaven. But the flashback is of a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples before the ascension that is recorded at the end of Luke. But for whatever reason, he didn't include the conversation in the first book. It's not there. He didn't write it in. He didn't jot it down. And so when he was writing the second one, the book of Acts, he felt that it was important that I need to mention this. This conversation happened, and I need to make sure we have a record of it. And so he writes it right away, first up. And this is what Luke writes. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The what? The holy what? Jesus, we want you. We don't want, we, we want to follow you. We just literally saw you resurrect from the dead. We want to follow you. Now, in this moment, we have watched our oppressor, Rome, crucify. I watched you die and come out of the tomb. I watched you come to life. Now it is time to go and take our oppressors. That's what we need to do. We need to go show Rome that they didn't get you. They tried their best, but they didn't get you. And so we need to go to Rome, right? In fact, I know the way to Caesar's palace. Follow me. And I'm going to go show the world that you tried, you tried, 
but he's right here, guys. In fact, Jesus, don't you have something you want to say? Go ahead and tell him. Don't be shy. He's shy, but don't go ahead and tell him. Listen, he is here to take back the kingdom of Israel. Go tell him, Jesus, tell him. And then, in fact, in the scripture, the disciples say to Jesus in this moment, when are you going to reclaim the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus responds, not with the same zeal that maybe the disciples had, but he says, it's not for you to know the time or the date that the Father has set by his own authority. But, but, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples, they, they took Jesus at his word. They didn't charge the storm. They didn't storm the forts, if you will. They didn't charge the palace. They they waited. They waited. They went back to Jerusalem. And here's the thing. There was no timeline. Jesus didn't say, on this day, at this hour, you will receive whatever it is that my Father wants for you. He just said, wait. Wait. And so they did. And all he said, it all makes sense. I know you're ready. To, you're eager to get out there. You're ready to jump into it. But just wait. It'll make sense. Just wait. And so they did. They waited. And they waited. And then it happened. It happened. It was on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after this. It was a Jewish festival going on. Lots of people were in town to come and celebrate the Pentecost festival. And the disciples were together, probably wondering when, where, and how. They were all in this household together, probably been sticking around each other. It may not be safe for them to go outside, knowing that their name was attached to this man who just rose from the dead. And they're sitting around probably thinking, when is he going to come? Where, how is he going to do this? Like we all do oftentimes wondering and questioning. And then suddenly, right then on that morning on Pentecost, they, this sound, this, this violent wind came into the house that they were sitting in. And things started shaking and ruffling around. And they were kind of got probably confused. It sounded like a tornado or a hurricane that was just coming through. And why is it only inside our house? Why is it not happening outside? It's only inside our house. This does not make sense. And so they're probably looking around at each other, confused, filled with fear, questionings. And so when they looked out, they saw the strangest thing. They looked out to each other, and they see on, on top of their heads or, or, or tongues on fire. They were on fire. First of all, it's a tongue on your head. Then it was on fire. Like That's the second thing, you know? And so they're looking around, follow the room, just saying, what is happening? What is going And so they, they, they started to, to speak. And that's probably what they were going, that they were saying, what is happening? What's going on? There is a tongue on your head and it's on fire, right? But the thing is, is right when they were speaking in that room, it wasn't Hebrew. 
It wasn't, it wasn't the language that they grew up with, that, that they only know. They were speaking, and out came were all the languages of the world. Languages they didn't even know. It, it was instant. There was no training. There was no ESL. There was no Rosetta Stone. It was just there, instant. They were able to speak these different languages. This had to be it. This was it. This had to be what Jesus was talking about. This had to be the gift that his father was going to give them. This had to be the Holy Spirit. Now, Scripture says that day that each of the disciples in that room were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what do they do with this new gift? What do they do with the news of Jesus resurrecting and the power of the Holy Spirit? What do they do with that? Well, the scripture says that they went right outside their house that morning, right outside where they were staying. They didn't go to the next town over. They didn't go to a place where they felt like they were going to be saved or the message would be widely received. They went right outside their house that morning and then they began telling the world in their language about the man from Galilee. Amen. Right then, in that moment, God breathed on the disciples that day. His breath fell onto them. He filled them with the Spirit. He filled them with life. This is what God does. This is what God does. He fills people he doesn't, he doesn't take away. He doesn't, he doesn't strip you down or, or, or beat you down. He doesn't fill you with evil desires and hatred towards your brother. He fills you with life. This is what he does. He fills you with the Spirit. He gives you the character of the Spirit. This is what he fills you with. He brings life into things that are dead. This is God. He's been doing it since the very beginning. He did this in Genesis when, when he created man in his image. And, he, and he, he, he pushed it all together. That when he saw us, he said, that's good. But it needs one more thing. Life. And he breathed life into us in Genesis. And now we are in his image. He did this again and with Ezekiel and his vision, when he showed him an army of dry bones standing before him. And, they, and all Ezekiel could see were these bones that were just laying in the ground, just dry. But then God started to, to bring the bones together. And in the bones there were tendons started to form and flesh went around the bones and skin started to form up. But then Ezekiel sees before him this, this army of, of, of soldiers but there was one thing that God still had to do. As he was looking, God told Ezekiel, he says, now, now Ezekiel, pray that my breath goes into them. And he prophesies and says, army, receive the breath of God. And God blows on them and the army came to life. They came to life. And before Ezekiel, a vast army was assembled there just by the breath of God. By the breath of God. It happened that day on the disciples in Jerusalem on Pentecost. 
When his breath fell on them, it fell on William Booth to start the army of salvation. It fell on us when the world shut down for a pandemic. When we were wondering and scrambling, what were we ever going to do? Where are the resources going to come from? How can I overcome this fear that I have? It is because the breath of God says, it is in my strength. It's in my strength. This is it. Friends, he is not finished. He is not finished. That, that each of us who call upon the name of Jesus Christ have the same gift that was given to the disciples on that day. We have the same gift. It is in us. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are not powerless. It may be looked, you know, the world looks in and they may see a bunch of crazy people. That's because we've seen what the world offers. We've seen it. And it cannot offer what Christ can give. It can't. People lining up, wanting to, where's my next meal? And we can do that. We can give you your next meal. But there is something more. There's something more to be given that you'll never be hungry again. You'll never be hungry again. This, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. For Christ is the head of the church in whom all authority rests. It is the Holy Spirit that guides our actions, gives us strength and reassurance and resources, does the supernatural. This is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that regenerates and sanctifies our soul. It is the Holy Spirit who enables us to trust in Christ, be united to Christ, to be in union with Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. And we often, you and I, I'm making no exemption to this, that we often kind of put the Holy Spirit in the back seat of our faith walk. We, we find little value for Him. And we put Him to the side. We tend to march on in our own strength. Oftentimes we do, friends. I'm no exemption to this. That we march in our own strength. And that it's through our strength that we carry our own weight. Now I'm not questioning if you love Jesus or or if you've even been cleansed by his blood. I'm not questioning that. Because we can love Jesus and still go in our own strength. We can do both. And it's even tempting in an army to march forward, doing good work, in hopes that the Holy Spirit catches up with what we're doing. Because we're doers. That's what we are. We're doers. If you don't believe me, ask the random person outside what they think of the Salvation Army. It's not this. What is it? Our doings. Our what's and our how's. That's what they know of us. We're doers. In fact, I was in a conversation with an executive pastor of mine at one time, and we were talking about our denominations and, and our faith and our church and everything else. And he 
told me that he, the way he sees the Salvation Army, what he, his view of the Salvation Army is that we are the worker ants of the kingdom of God. This is what you are. That we see a need and we want to respond to it right away. In that moment, we can solve this problem. It's in our DNA from the very beginning when William Booth said, do something. And we have been ever since doing something. However, I think we can learn something from the disciples on this day. They, they wanted to go and get to work right away. They wanted to see Jesus walk out of the tomb and just say, let's, let's go charge Rome right now. Why are we waiting? Why is your first command out of the grave to wait? To say, hold up, pause. That's not in our DNA. That's not what we're built to do. We're built to march. We're built to go. They didn't want to wait. They wanted to take back what was theirs. And if they had ignored Jesus from the very beginning, from the moment outside of that, if they had ignored that command and started their ministry right away, they wouldn't have seen the full purpose that God had for them. It wasn't until the Spirit fell on them that they realized, that they saw that their purpose is bigger than them. It is bigger than Israel. It's bigger than Rome. That they were the chosen to tell the world of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have the everlasting life. The disciples that day on Pentecost, they opened their doors, filled with the Spirit, filled to the top, and they walked out with new eyes, new vision, new purpose. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Can you imagine what he wants to do with us today? Can you imagine with the technology, the resources, the infrastructure, what he could do with the church today to get the message of Jesus Christ. But it's not only the message. It's not just being filled with our head and our knowledge of who Christ is, but it's receiving the power of the Spirit that we first have to pour ourselves with Jesus to experience salvation to go to the cross and say the Lord I need you to get that message and then we receive the spirit to go and march to go forth therefore go he's not done guys God is not done this isn't a story of the past he isn't just a God that was he is the God of today and yet to come He'll be here after I'm gone. He is the God of yet to come. Have 
you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Spirit of God? Has His breath fallen on you? Are you filled with the Spirit's? Well, Captain, I already received the blessing of salvation. Good. Good. But did you know that there's a second blessing? There's a second blessing. The day when the Spirit fills you. A full salvation. We're called to that, church. We're called to that. We're called to know Jesus, love Jesus, and we're called to be sanctified through him. This is us, church. I invite you today to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the power and the gift that God gave the disciples on that day. Is he going to make you speak in different languages? I have the slightest idea, because I'm not God. That's not my decision. But I can tell you this, is that whenever situation that we get placed in as believers, and I'm not talking about one foot in, one foot out believers, I'm talking you're in. This is your, your message. And whenever situation you get placed in, that he will empower you to deliver it, whatever it is. And sometimes it's, it's some interesting scenarios, but it happens. This is the spirit. And the most important thing, if I can just tell you on the human side of a guy that's up here every Sunday delivering a message where it's easy to get filled with your head with pride about what you're writing and how you're delivering and all that. Listen, let me tell you that it does not matter. The army doesn't need the credit. The individual doesn't need the... It only matters that Jesus is preached. That's all that matters. This doesn't. When we go out, we don't have to go out and, and, and say, well, I, I come to you with the sour. Just say, I come with you with Christ. It's in his name I come. Because if we in army continue to keep to that, he'll bless us. He'll give us, he'll open door. He'll do, God will do what God does. He'll do that. He'll do that. What he needs is people who are committed to him. Just, just to say, go, send me. I'll go. That's what he needs. Have you received the Spirit today? Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.